0: You're you are
1: listening to, to SRM,
0: Student Radio Master on
1: 107.5 FM. What's
2: going on?
3: What's going on? I don't know, man. I don't know. I think you better call ID. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Oh Rory! You're... Oh Rory! Rory, take off the computer. We want the real voice. I'm gonna, I'm gonna dump you. I'm gonna dump you. Well, Rory. You now what? I'm gonna
1: dump
2: you, Rory. Oh, Rory's got too many problems to even worry about. But David has problems. But I think you can help him, Helen. David. David. Mm-hmm. Hey. I think I
1: could ever I think he's me
2: soul to Jesus hmm. Hmm. Shake it, can't take it, must break it, break it off
1: Yeah, what I said, bitch, 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 I want it, I need it, need it to make me feel heated Shake it, can't take it, must break it, break it off Yeah, what I say, bitch, bitch
0: Thanks for tuning in. This is Student Radio Maastricht on rt 107.5 FM. My name is Sham. Doing the tech tonight and what you were listening to there is Fledermaus Fantasies resident artist, Blue Diner. Thank you so much. Today uh, we are we are playing uh, some selected tracks from uh, from the group Fledermaus Fantasies. And in the studio we have uh, today accompanying us the European Career Association. Am I saying that right, Jeanne?
3: Yeah, exactly. So, hi, thank you very much for having us. Uh, ECA is a student association that is an acronym for European Career Association. As you said, uh, it was created during COVID and has a uh, fast growth. And so now we're a big association in Maastricht. We organize trip in Europe and visit a European institution. We also do collaboration with other student associations like Eloquencia, ELSA and a lot of others and ECA has some committees and we are part like the three of us uh, are part of uh, the blog committee that is blue and yellow and what we do in that blog is that we uh, post some articles about Europe and we had some recent new posts about uh, Greenland exit and their relationship with the EU we also had multilingualism and the European institution, in the European institution and many other uh, that are upcoming. And we also are some, we also are active on social media. And so today I'm happy to be here. My name is Jeanne. I'm uh, doing a third year European Studies bachelor in Maastricht and I am part of Blue and Yellow since two years now almost. And today with me, I have two other blog mates, let's say. Eleonora and uh, Ignacio, if you can introduce yourself, please.
4: Okay, so thank you very much. Uh, good evening. My name is Ignacio. Uh, I am from Spain and I'm currently studying um, a master in European Studies here in Maastricht. Um, and I'm really happy to be here this evening with you to debate about the European Union. Uh,
1: thank you, you both. Uh, I'm Eleonora and I'm actually doing a... Uh, uh, two years European Studies Master, uh, similar to uh, what Naso is studi- studying, and I am yeah very happy to be here and discuss a bit today about democratic deficit in the EU.
0: All right, thank you very much, and uh, we will be playing the next track by Nama Friedman, also part of the Fledermaus fantasies.
1: You are listening to Operator.
0: back this is student radio maastricht on rtv 107.5 fm my name is sham doing the tech today Uh, what you were listening to there is nama friedman thank you very much Uh, fredamos fantasies for uh, for sharing some of your your fantastic tracks and we are of course playing well rather short bits as a as a quick sample for our audience and i'm also super curious and we will we will listen later on in the show why we are focusing specifically on Fledema's fantasies. But in the meantime, we have the European Careers Association in the studio. So hosted by Jean, thank you very much.
3: Thank you for having us. It's a pleasure to be here. So yeah, today we're going to talk about democratic deficit with Eleonora and Inge- Indiago, in Nachos, <laughs> yeah. and myself. So the first section is going to be more about what is democratic deficit and a definition of of what it is?
4: Uh, yeah, sir. Thank you very much. So basically, what is the democratic deficit and why is it important for us? So the democratic deficit is related to that idea about the European Union being far from the citizens, like this settlement of institutions that are located in Brussels and that are not in touch with the necessities and the preferences of the um, ordinary citizens. Um, who do not feel represented by them. Uh, This is quite a huge problem because like, sometimes um, the European Union is so complex and so bureaucratic that citizens uh, do not know what is the commission or what is the difference between the parliament and the council. And sometimes when there are policies undertaken by the European Union uh, that do not reflect their interest, uh, people do not know who to blame on. Like they don't know if Fault is the member state if the fault is perhaps the commission the council the Parliament so this is quite a um a huge a huge problem right for the rep- representation and uh, for the democratic state of the European Union um and here we also to debate is it really a problem like is this perception correct um what can we do uh, to change it and yeah, and what are the possible reforms that can be undertaken? So, for instance, like um, there have been like some changes that have been undertaken um, in the last decades in order to make the European Union more democratic. We can think, for instance, about 1979. These were like the first um, European elections to the Parliament, because until now it was not directly elected by the people. Like, for instance, the General Assembly, the General Assembly of the Council of Europe. Also, the European citizens can uh, find their or sue their states or uh, the European Union before the Court of Justice. This is something that it never, it doesn't happen with um, any other uh, international organization. Like, you cannot just sue the United Nations or you cannot just um, pursue um, the African Union. But in the case of the European Union, like, you can and you can uh, denounce your state or or the proper international organization. So um, in this first section, I would like to discuss um, with Leonora um, about, for instance, um, the how the process of electing the president of the commission. Um, the last time, um, the, Europea- in the European People's Party had a um, so-called Spitzenkandidaten. It is to say like they presented to the 2019 election saying that Manfred Weber Uh, was their candidate, but suddenly it was not. It was Ursula von der Allianz. She was a person that she had a high profile in Germany, but she was not known by the rest of the Europeans. And um, did this contribute to this democratic deficit, to this uh, perception of Europe as something far from the citizens, like they don't have a say uh, in the election of the president of the commission? What do you think about it?
1: Yeah, I think that um, maybe the first thing to say is that citizens of the EU have a different perception of the president of the commission, because, of course, usually the legislative power is so much uh, stronger in the member states um, when it comes to the parliament itself. While for the EU, as we know, the EU commission, we can consider it maybe the most important uh, body. Um, So that's why usually there are so many different views and citizens perceive it as an injustice that, of course, uh, they don't have so much saying about the the figure itself. Um, So, of course, I think that this is the reason why um, we or maybe people in general feel that there could be, um, as you said before, a lack of uh, legitimacy and something should be done about it. And I think that this is a problem that appeared many years ago and that's why we have the Spitzenkandidaten since 2014, Mm -hmm. like when they first appeared. Um, But we have to say that the procedure should be, of course, better mm, developed (laughs) Mm -hmm. because otherwise, as you pointed out, uh, what's the point of mm, appointing a person and then electing another one um so at least this is a bit uh, my my opinion um i'm not sure about the accountability of the figure so i don't know if you want to maybe elaborate more on this what's what's your opinion about that or if you find it legitimate
4: yeah because perhaps i'm thinking about that person perhaps like who goes to cast the vote for um veva in i don't know in france or in spain uh, because they think that it is the real uh, that is going to be the candidate of the European People's Party, and then uh, Ursula von der Leyen is elected. But like I see this thing that, for instance, you come from Italy, I come from Spain, and in our countries, like none of us directly votes for the president. Like we vote for um, members of the parliament uh, or members of the Congress, and these people that we elect, like then they elect the president of the government. So. This could be also the case of our countries, right? Like, perhaps, like, we vote for um, a particular political party thinking that they're going to elect a president of the government, but then they change their mind. I think that the problem is not that much the system. The problem is that they didn't comply with this promise that this was the candidate. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I see that, of course, you always have to compromise at the end, because also in the case of the president of the commission, then it's not just the say of the parliament, of the um, European parliament, but of course, there is also the European Council that has a say to it. So, yeah, I totally understand um, your point. And I think it also links to the transparency of the procedure that you were mentioning, that... The initial idea of having this figure and this procedure to electing them—it's a good starting point, but it's still very confused, I have to say. And since yeah, next year we're going to have the European uh, parliamentary elections again, but mm, today I think there are not so many news about uh, possibilities of change uh, of change in the in the procedure itself, if it's going to be um, applied or or not so it's still quite a tricky topic
3: but the problem is that if you if we want to change the whole procedure we have to vote for another treaty i think and that's something that 27 member states has to sign and ratify and blah 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 so it's a lot of work to do and yeah that's probably why we don't change it
4: yeah, that's indeed true. That's the reason why I think that it is not about system per se. Like, like the majority, I would say, like the ma- the majority of the member states, like citizens, don't elect directly the president of the government or the president of the nation. Um, they just elect representatives for the parliament, and then they trust that they are gonna elect like the candidate, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but it was not the case in the yeah. European Union, and I can see that this is the reason why it might be perceived like a certain democratic deficit because there was a promise that was not complied. It was not that legal, you know? It yeah. was more political.
3: But uh, tell me if I'm wrong, but yeah. I think that w- d- when we elect um parliamentary representative. representative, it's the party that gained the more votes that have to present um, a candidate for the Spitze candidate, right?
4: Yeah, but... Um, before the elections, every political party has like their s- own spins okay. candidate and candidates, and uh, oh, okay, yeah. Okay, I see. okay, yeah. For instance, like also regarding this topic, like I was kind of surprised because I made like some years ago like this um, association of uh, young people that wanted like European Federation, <laughs> and one of the main claims is that they wanted like the European Parliament to have uh, the right to initiate legislation because okay. the European Parliament is the only parliament in the world that doesn't have um the capacity to initiate legislation it has always to be done yeah. by the Commission like what do you think about like about that like would you agree that that will improve the the democratic state in the european union
1: um also, correct me if I'm wrong, I think actually the parliament has some kind of legislative power. Minor one, of yeah. course, as you were <laughs> saying, because it's mainly the role of the commission. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I totally agree that, of course, since uh, voting is for citizens, the most clear way to express their power. And if the vote is just done for the um, European parliament, who then does not have the possibility to completely rule the legislation process, of course, it's perceived as a democratic deficit because then it comes back to what you were mentioning at the beginning of the very technocratic EU that just deals with the bureaucracy and not really with the yeah the people's uh feelings and needs actually, so
3: yeah, they can only propose things like they can propose legislation to the commission but it always has to come from the commission yeah
4: it's the commission the one that has like this mm-hmm. monopoly but the council and the parliament like yeah. they can suggest. ask the commission yeah of course
3: strongly suggest
4: it's <laughs> strong <laughs> of course yeah but at the end of the day if the commission like yeah doesn't want it mm-hmm. or it won't it won't even succeed at the beginning Coming back to the topic of the um, president of the commission, like it's true that perhaps like there was like this sort of deficit. We can say that people might not feel that represented, but it was still like a candidate appointed by the like it was ratified by the parliament, mm. and it was elected by democratic governments. And sometimes, like I think that we have to bear in mind also that the European Union is not a state; it is an international organization, yeah. and to be an international organization, it enjoys a quite a high level of democratic of democratic standards I will say like in the parliament perhaps it cannot initiate legislation but it can control the, the commissioners and it can yeah. control the government and it can indeed um, end with uh, with it so I think that we also have to bear in mind and to consider that part I don't okay. know if you agree
1: yeah totally also um, if I can start a bit of a different topic uh, <laughs> I came across a bit of statistics and I think we come from two very interesting countries because Spain and Italy tend to um, yeah, complain a lot about the EU and the EU Parliament. Uh, but then there is the Eurobarometer, which actually uh, asks people and EU citizens how they feel, if they feel that uh, their needs are neglected. And um, yeah, across the many questions that are posed by the Eurobarometer, there is also still and always the question of how much do you know about the EU institutions? And at least uh until ten years ago, it was very low the knowledge of EU citizens about the yeah, the different roles of the institutions. And that luckily uh changed across the years uh but still also one very interesting point was that the EU parliament is perceived as a neutral figure so maybe that's also a reason why it is important to stress out the um, uh the roles of the um, parliament and to like remove a bit of the stress and the importance that is on the um yeah on the president of the commission because of course at the end they are a figure, but as you said before, they are controlled by other bodies. So there is still uh, a watch of what they are doing. And they are not, of course, deciding by their self. There is the whole commission altogether. So <laughs> and if something happens, they can always be removed by, uh, by their role. And if I'm not wrong, still by the European Parliament. So that's, I think, in my opinion, a good way to... Address the deficit and let the people know that actually, if something is wrong, they can be reassured that the interests of the citizens are still going to be covered. Just not everything is as bad as it may appear.
4: <laughs> yeah, for sure. Like, yeah, you touched on uh, quite a few topics. Like, I think that you said, like, for instance, that sometimes citizens do not understand as much the European Union. I think that, um, or they don't know as much about the European Union. I think that it is basically because it is really bureaucratic. Like, it is sometimes too far, right? And it is, like, this huge, complex settlement of institutions. Um, And you say, like, sometimes um, national governments, like, blame on uh, Europe, right? Yeah, Yeah, like, this is the um, brussels blame culture. Mm -mm. Um, Yeah, for instance, in my country, when... There is like an unpopular policy or something like that. It, it is Brussels', Brussels fault.
3: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> actually, yeah. But also the thing with um, deficit, uh, democratic deficit is that as there is this such like a uh, uh, lack of understanding of the EU, are people gonna vote? Because even if they were able to vote for a commissioner, will will they do it? And I I don't think so.
1: I don't know. Yeah. I also remember that, at least for me, it was very interesting to always have a look of the um, of how many people actually went to vote for the European parliamentary election. And the outcome is always very low because people do not perceive the importance of that body, which is kind of a pity because, of course, then on one side there is a perceived deficit, but on the other side, people are not acting on it. And yeah.
4: Yeah, for sure. I think that um, at least in Spain, like s- in between 60 and 70 percent of the legislation that is adopted depends on Europe, um, at the na- like the legislation that is adopted at the national level. So, of course, um, it has like a huge impact on on people's life and on their day to day. And it's always true that the turnout for these elections is normally very low. And I think that Like, people also vote, like, um, according to national standards, uh, not that much to, like, European ones. Um, I don't know if I'm explaining myself correctly. Um, But, yeah, like, you're voting, like, for the popular party or the conservative party or the social party of your country, not the one, like, an European one. Um, I will perceive it that way also. Uh, But, yeah, this is the reason why I think that this perception of the democratic uh, deficit is important because it has, it has a say in everyone's life, like the European Union matters to all of our lives, like it controls things, our employment conditions to how can we travel, how can we go uh, on vacations, and if people do not feel represented about it, there is a problem there, there is a lack of legitimacy, and we have to see why, what can we do, or if perhaps that perception is misguided
1: yeah i also like how the commission is trying to address this uh, deficit if there is one or in general how they try to involve you uh, citizens more with the many different um, initiatives as for example they started in 2012 with the first uh, citizens dialogue so uh, really establishing q and a sessions with you citizens that wanted to participate and not just in Brussels, which is also sometimes the problem that everything happens in Brussels. and instead uh, those q and a session was across all europe so also in smaller cities i if i'm not wrong there was also one in maastricht for example yeah,
3: the conference of the future of europe or not that uh
1: one. that was the follow-up uh, after those dialogues and yeah, that okay. took place uh yeah and yeah, no, an uh, was year. present
3: in the in the conference for like the weekend it was over 3 days and it was so interesting we actually have a an article about it <laughs> 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 on the blog on the website if you want to check it out
1: yeah and i think it's very interesting because of course sometimes those initiatives then are just let's say for for the image but actually at least in the case of the conference of the future of europe um, the commission really, um, yeah, provided a portfolio and included some of the conclusion uh, in year agenda for for 2023, which is also a first good way to address this lack or gap between people, EU citizens' real needs and legitimacy, and how the EU should address um, policymaking or at least. This is for me a good way to to address it. I don't know if you also feel like that, or if you think that it was maybe just uh, an image uh, that you is trying to change.
4: <laughs> no, for sure. I think that it is very important, like these kind of grassroots movements. Like, and um, they are actually like, I think that we cannot have like the a one hundred percent sense of like a team uh, if we don't have like a sort of. It is gonna be hard, but a sort of. European identity, I will say, like, a share of Europeanness Um It doesn't have to be, like, the same that the national one, but a sense of being European. And with these kind of initiatives, like, you understand what the European Union is doing, how does it work, and what it's doing for you. Um, and, what, uh, and it shows you what links, like, a citizen from Portugal to a citizen of Germany, perhaps, and what they have in common. So it's very important for and these kind of initiatives are very important to make people realize, like, why we are bound together and why we are better together, right? Um, And also, like, to render it some legitimacy. Like, for instance, programs also like the uh, Erasmus, perhaps, like, they also contribute Mm. to this kind of um, feeling of being European. Uh, And I think that all these kind of initiatives are really positive to that extent that we create this feeling and... Yeah, we can do something, we are reflected by Europe and Europe represents us and we know Europe and we know what it is.
1: Yeah, also like I was thinking about the... um, I think it's a very old uh, and established procedure now but the uh, European Citizens Initiative where basically you can propose a piece of legislation and you have to connect actually to other people from different countries. It's one of the requirements because of course you have to take always in consideration other people's needs and not just the one of of your own country and i think it yeah it's a good initiative that maybe also citizens don't know about Hmm. but it's so simple and then you can always check the website and see okay there is an initiative about i don't know um animal rights or i remember a pretty successful one was about uh the free access to water which of course it's pretty important, yeah. and it's just a pity that maybe citizens are not so much aware of these possibilities because it's also a first step to address the uh, yeah the the perceived um, deficit that could arise from having such a different procedure in electing the commission and the parliament
4: well, I think that that's the reason why we're here that's <laughs> the reason why we are in ECA yeah. also like we have to promote yeah. <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah yeah and this is the reason why like these kind of initiatives um are that important like
3: yeah so much because uh, I think also that the European Union is doing a lot even with the umber this man like it's a weird name but you can ask questions to someone and he's uh, he has to respond. I think the European Union is doing a lot, but they're just so bad at communicating. I like, I don't know, but for me, when I look at their social media and stuff, I don't feel that this is that good. Even though, <laughs> <No>, sorry, <laughs> but I think yeah, they there is a room for improvement, and we also are uh, here in the blog and in ECA too help uh, communicating about the eu and make it l- more democratic let's say
4: yeah for sure like i think that all these initiatives are good um yeah and i think that the european union has to sell itself also to the citizens uh to show what it's doing at the practical at the practical level yeah of course but also like try like to promote like more engagement um among citizens because at the end like it is the only path forward
0: right
1: yeah definitely
0: thank you very much for communicating that um that important bit because the way you break it down is really um it really helps so yeah thank you very much we will be back to say uh last few words but in the meantime uh we will be listening to another uh, another few minutes of a of an amazing set uh by this one is by F Aubergine, also part of uh, Federmas fantasies so uh stay tuned and here we go. Thank you
2: The government of the government. 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 The government of the government.
0: Thanks for staying tuned in. This is Student Radio Maastricht on RT 107.5 FM. What you were listening to there is F. Aubergine. Thank you very much, Fran. Massive shout out, by the way, to, to not only Fran, but also to um, to Mike Mona from ludhiana which was the first track we heard, Knockout. Check it out on SoundCloud. Matthew, shout out to Nama Friedman um, on Insta, known as Nama Free, and the last one we just heard was F Aubergine. Thank you very much. This was the track DSRPT live set 4th of March this year, so really fresh. Pran or F Aubergine, aka aka F Aubergine, does something called as chip tuning, so he uses devices like Game Boys or Nintendos to get uh, get particular sounds out. Well, we are playing bits of streams by the group Fledermar's Fantasies because they are organizing an event this weekend uh, at the Landboer It's called Thunder Day Bus Stop Mars XAMS. Uh, I believe we have people coming all the way from Amsterdam uh, to perform. It's a, it's quite a lineup. We have more than the three, uh, three tracks we sampled today. So we have Cassette Jockey, We have Little Miss Friedman, also known as Nama Frey, F. Aubergine, as you just heard, and of course, Blu Mike Muner. thank you very much. And yes, that being said, also massive thanks to to RTV for letting us use your studios and broadcasting this episode for Student Radio. In the studio today, we have members or student members of the European Careers Association, Jeanne, hosting the show, fantastic job, and also uh, Nacho and uh, Eleanor. All right. Uh, do you have some, uh, some closing words to say to the audience?
3: Yeah, thank you for having us. It was uh, super fun to talk about the <laughs> democratic deficit in the EU and so if you liked the um, episode you can also find us on social media Uh, it's ECA Maastricht and for the blog blue and yellow it's ECA blue and yellow so we are going to have some upcoming events such as CV announcement session uh, between the 1st and the 5th of May career in diplomacy on the 22 of May and ECA social pub quiz much more fun on the 9th of May and also if you are s- very interested into European career and stuff the application are open if you want to be part of the new managing board and association council so yeah that was it for me thank you very much for our guests <laughs> I'm also a guest but <laughs> anyways <laughs> yeah thank you very much uh, Sham for having us and yeah Thank you. Bye.
0: Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. All right. And oh, yeah, uh, maybe uh, I'm not sure, but I think I forgot to mention the event coming up. Uh, this is um, uh, Thunder Day bus stop at Lanbabilang. It's on Friday at nine o'clock. So I hope to see you there. And please come by and check it out because it's going to be well worth it. Thank you. Bye bye.